Good morning, church family. Let's stand together. Let's raise a hallelujah in this place. Amen.
song that we're singing next is called Do It Again. And we're learning in this series, 517, that what God has done before, he will do again. We can trust him to be the God that he was in the Old Testament. The God that he was in the New Testament is the same God that he is now. He meets us in our storm. He provides for us. He commands us and we follow him. He restores us. He is our shelter. He is our provider. He is love. And what he's done before, he will do again. And we can trust him to be that for us now. And we can live in that. So let's sing this praises this morning and tell him, God, we trust you. What you've done before, you will do again. You will do this for us and we can praise you because there's no other God that's like that. Let's sing his praises this morning and tell him who he is because he's a good and wonderful, mighty God. Sing this with us. Walking around these walls I thought by now Yeah. 
by sinfulness. And that literally our hands and our hearts are stained from the shame, from the hurt, and the pain in our life. And as we look at the canvas of our life, this, this stain of sin and the stain of shame, it marks us. And no matter how hard we try to get our hands to be made clean and our hearts to be made clean in the presence of God, we can't do it in our own power. But God in his mercy and his might invites us to come with broken hands and broken hearts and in our sinfulness and humble ourselves before him. So this morning, as we have an opportunity, as God calls us to make our hearts clean before him and his presence, my prayer this morning, as some of you may have come in here holding some heavy things on your heart and you need to be clean, you need to be cleansed in the power of Christ, I pray this morning that this time would be an invitation, be an opportunity as we continue to worship, to come to God in humility and to submit up those areas of our life we need cleansing. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, we are so grateful for your faithfulness. We are so grateful for your mercy upon us. And Lord, we pray that God, as we submit unto you, Lord, our need for you, our forgiveness, our healing, our restoration, Lord, that you would have mercy upon us. And then God, as your word says, that you would make us clean. God, we thank you for your atonement. We thank you for your sacrifice. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You surrender this morning. You come. You surrender.
faithful God, church. He's loyal to us. Amen and amen. Hey, say hi to somebody before you sit down. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. so great to see you. If this is your first time coming, we would love to get to know you, and there's a couple ways you can do that. We'd like to connect with you, and you can put in the word, text it, connect to 904-441-6900, and that will take you um, to the text, and you can put in the word connect, and we'd love to, to meet with you there. Also, you can go out in the atrium to the welcome desk. There will be someone there that would love to speak with you. Also, if you, during the week, like me, sometimes forget your bulletin and you want to look at it, you can also put the word in news, and that will take you, same phone number, and put that word in and text that word, and that will take you to the digital bulletin that will give you all the information that you're seeing this morning in your paper bulletin. Also, if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray with you. If it's today or if it's during the week or just an unspoken one, you can put the same phone number in and put the word connect and put the prayer and we'll be, be come alongside and pray with you. We just love that. Just a couple of things I'd like to highlight for you this morning. A couple of things that are going on in the church. November the 2nd, which is this coming Wednesday, is our monthly night of worship in the sanctuary. You will be blessed. Come have dinner, come worship. You're gonna hear a word from God. And also, if you are musically inclined, which Judy's not, but if some of you are, talk to Jordan on Wednesday night. He would love to get with you and see if that's something possibly you can help with them. Uh, we'd love you to do that. I know you'll be blessed by that as well. Also, drop dead date for the boxes for Operation Christmas Child. It's November the 13th, so if you haven't gotten your boxes yet to do a little boy or a little girl or both, I encourage you to do that. It's just so fun to go shop with them, pray over those boxes, and know that those kids get that for sure. Also, ladies, this is our last weekend for tickets. Our event for luncheon is this coming Saturday. We have five speakers that will be coming and sharing about their organizations that help and meet the needs of our women in our community. I encourage you, if you haven't gotten a ticket, to go out in the atrium and get that. We also will have our worship leader, Jeremy Carlton, our youth pastor, will be our worship leader for that. So I encourage you to get your tickets. It's not too late. Today is the day, though. Don't procrastinate. We love you. Thank you so much. God bless. Now I am going to ask us to pray together. This is the time that we come together and pray as a church. And I know there's a lot of unspoken prayers out there. I know there's a lot of needs. But God knows. God knows your needs. He knows your want. I just encourage you right now to bow your head and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I just lift up our church. I lift up the, the members and the, and the visitors here today, Father, that you would be just with each one of us and give us that, not only the generosity that's been given to our church, but the generosity to go out in the community and just love on each other just care about each other that has been so lost in the last few years. Lord, I just pray that we will come together, not only just in this building, but out in the world and just love, love on each other. We just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. 
It's good to see you in the house this morning. We're so grateful that you're here. Uh, I see some kids in the house. So is, is anybody going trick-or-treating to get some candy tomorrow? Right, kids? Parents? Okay, you can raise your hand too, right? We got a few kids. All right, kids, I need to tell you something. There's this thing that gets left out every year after trick-or-treat, and it's called the parent tax. And I need, I need to tell you about it, all right? And so after you go get all your candy that you can possibly fit in your bucket, and then some, you have to share up to 10% with your parents. It's called the parent tax. It's the right thing to do, okay? 10% is the Christian thing to do. And listen, if you don't have kids that are going out to, you know, trick-or-treat and get candy, and you're just going to be out at your door handing out candy, I need to tell you something, okay? You are able, it's okay, to eat up to 50% of that candy. It's all right, you bought it. And what's even more is if you have kids that come into your, you know, your house and they have candy that you like better than the candy you have, you can barter with them. You can, it works out okay, all right? So just, just making sure, kids, you know about that if you're giving out candy. But hey, we're, we're so grateful that you're here this morning and, and we're continuing our series 517. And I thought Jeremy said it perfect, right? What God has done, we believe he's gonna do it again or what he's gonna continue to do. And that's really what the series is about. And we've been storing through the Bible and we really have come uh, to the New Testament, and, and this morning as we talk about atonement, we're really going to be talking about the pinnacle of our faith, right? And uh, I, I, there's a lady back here standing back there. It's not some, that's my wife back there. She may never forgive me for making her come up here and do this with me, uh, but uh, she's helped me with illustration this morning, and uh, I appreciate her being here. But at the center point of history, time, and I would say our universe is Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross. This is and will stand as the day that defined the days before that was the days of anticipation and the days after it are days of remembrance. It's significant. And as we talked about it before, it seemed unimaginable that the God of the universe would come in flesh in the incarnation and dwell among us. But it is inconceivable that that same Christ that came and dwell among this earth would go to the cross and die for humanity on our behalf, our atonement. And, you know, as we talk about his atoning sacrifice, and that this morning is about atonement, sometimes that's a difficult word because there's a lot of weight, a lot of meaning, a lot of context that goes into that. And so that's kind of what I want to help us understand this morning. But atonement means this. Atonement means the reconciliation between man and God through Jesus Christ. It is making of man righteous in the presence of God. But I think for us to fully understand, to fully grasp atonement, and thus our reconciliation with God, we, we need to understand a couple things. We need to take a step back. We need to look at two key things. To have a better vantage point of reconciliation to God through Christ, we need to understand two major realities. One is the guilt of our sin, right? The guilt of our sin and then the righteousness of God. The realization that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but that we stand before a holy God that is unimaginable. He is holy in all of his ways, and we'll talk more about that. But I think to fully understand that, we need to look at these two concepts. And I think uh, John does a great job uh, of writing about that in 1 John this morning. So that's where I want to read uh, from 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. So I'm going to be reading there. If you are able to this morning and we can join me, will you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word? 1 John chapter 2 says this, My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. 
If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. I want to focus in this morning on 1 John chapter 2, specifically those first few verses, because I think it, it gives us an understanding, it gives us a perspective of what atonement really means for us as Christ followers, right? What it really means, and for all of the world. And, and if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the first thing you can write down is our sinfulness is the barrier between life and relationship with God. Our sinfulness is the barrier between life and relationship with God. Go back to the first thing he says in that passage. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. See, John understands and John's desire as he's reciprocating that forth of God's desire is that we should not sin. And, and the reason that we should not walk in sin or choose sin over the ways that God has commanded us is that sin puts a barrier between us and God. Our relationship with God. And God did not create us to live in brokenness, but rather he created us to live in the fullness of life and in relationship with him. Not only does it impact our relationship with God, but I also would say that it keeps us from experiencing the fullness of life in Christ. Jesus said that as he came, that I came that they may have life and life to the fullest. And I believe that life doesn't just start in eternity, it starts right here on earth. And so when we are habitually walking in sin and we're choosing sin and we're not confessing that sin before the Lord, it's creating a barrier between our relationship with the Lord, but it's also creating a barrier from us walking in the fullness of God's life for us. You know, as we've been storing through the Bible, we saw this perfectly in Genesis 3, right? And I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but in the garden, right, with God and Adam and Eve, uh, one of the, the coolest parts of that passage of scripture is the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God in the garden. And, and it talks about in Genesis 3, early in the morning, that God desired to walk with Adam and Eve, right? It was this special time. It was this relational bond that they had. But it says that as Adam and Eve chose to eat of the forbidden tree of knowledge, right, what happened? That when God came to walk with them, they were felt naked and they felt uh, shame and guilt for their sin, and so they hid from God. It created a barrier in their relationship with God and, and the life that they experienced in him. And so I, I think, why does sin create a separation between us and God? Why does it put a barrier in our life with him? Sin has been thought as man's attempt to substitute God's authority in our own life for our own authority. And it's other, in other words, it's us choosing our way versus God's way and commandments. Sin is the substitution of God's ways for man's ways. And the problem is that when we try to substitute God's ways for our ways, it leads to our undoing, right? We see this over and over and over in scripture that the more that the people of God walked away from God, it led to their undoing as a people, spiritually, physically, and all manners of life. You know, I was thinking about this, you know, as you came to church this morning, I don't know if you came in the back parking lot, you, you parked there, but there's a huge barrier that stretches from south to north on the backside of our campus, right? You, you guys probably saw it. 
Um, and that barrier is where our construction site is, right? That's where we're building our new buildings. Uh, we're very excited about that. But that's to keep everybody safe, to keep people out, to keep all those, the work that they're doing uh, protected. Um, but for the next foreseeable months and a little over a year's time, that barrier is going to be there, right? Can I tell you that I long for the day when that barrier is going to come down? <laughs> Come on, church, I'm longing for the day when that barrier comes down and what we have dreamed about, what we have prayed about, and what we have felt God is leading us to is complete. And we as a church family can walk into those new buildings and we can celebrate and we can worship and we can give God the praise for his faithfulness over the years. I'm looking forward to that day. But can I, can I tell you how strange it would be if we got to that day that we had been longing for, that we had been anticipating for, that we've been praying for, that we've been working for, and, and, and believing that God had better days ahead of us in that new building, and yet when the day came and the building was finished and we could walk in there, we just left that barrier up. Well, that, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? And, and instead of using what we've prayed for and what we worked for, we just left that barrier up and never stepped foot into the building. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Can I tell you when we continually walk in sin, when we continually to choose our ways over God's ways, we're leaving up a barrier in our life to experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. Amen. Let's let the barrier come down. Let's submit before God. Let's come to him because we know that he is a forgiving God. Let's come to him and, and submit unto him and say, Lord, forgive us. Let's lay it down. And so this morning, I, I don't know what you're, what you're going through, but what challenges you have, but God gives us an invitation he gives us an invitation to surrender, to put down the barrier. Because can I tell you, God didn't put the barrier up. We put the barrier up. But only through his power can he take it down. And he gives us that invitation. Second thing that I would say to us this morning, I think that we see here is God's holiness requires righteousness. As we talk about atonement, there's a big part of this that we need to understand. We need to understand, again, our, our sinfulness, our need for a savior, right? But we need to talk about God's holiness requires righteousness. And, and we see this in, in our passage in John. He says, we have an advocate with the Father. And he's talking about Jesus there. And, and understanding this, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, we cannot go before the presence of a whole, almighty, holy God in his righteousness. We need an advocate to go on our stead. And that is, that is hard. That's hard to understand in some ways. But I wanna, I wanna paint a picture. Why, why do we need to have righteousness? Why do we need to be righteous to go before a holy God? And why do we need an advocate to go before a holy God? And it's all about God's holiness. And I, I just wanna give you a few theological points to understand when we talk about God's holiness. What makes God holy and require righteousness in his presence? The first thing is what makes God holy is God is uniquely superior to humanity, right? His ways, his thoughts, everything about him, his power, his sovereignty, his ability to create, his ability to think and, and to guide and direct and to make are, are far beyond any of us. In, in Isaiah 55, 8, uh, 9 says this, it capsulates it, right? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord God. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. They are greater, they are higher, they are perfect, they are holy. And, and because that God is 
different from us, that he is uniquely superior to us. It's a part of his attribute that makes him holy. And so we need to understand that. But the second thing, and I love this one. I love this about the character of God. He is perfect and unchanging. (laughs) The God that we serve, the character of God, in his holiness is perfect. But also in that, he is unchanging. He's not gonna be different today than he was from yesterday, and he's not gonna be different uh, tomorrow as he is from today. He is unchanging. We have a rock in our faith who is unchanging, amen? James 4 says this, uh, I'm sorry, let me say this. The book of James says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from God coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And our, our God is not changing. He is the same as he was yesterday as he is today as he's gonna continue to be. And because he's the same, he's gonna do the things that he has done in the past and he's gonna do them again. And he's gonna continually be righteous in all that he does, he's going to continue to be merciful and redemptive and grace-giving in all that he does. Third thing, though, that you can understand this morning as we talk about God's righteousness is he is fair and merciful as judge and king. See, as creator, as one who has made everything and uh, made the stars of the universe, who has made you and me and made everything in it, he is ruler and king and judge over it. But thank you to our Father in heaven, who although is a perfect judge and is fair in all his things, he has mercy upon us. James 4, 11 says this, there is one, only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? There is one who is judge over all of us, one lawgiver. And in all that he does, he is merciful, he is giving, He is fair and just. But the reality is, is that when we talk about our sinfulness and our brokenness, what we deserve is not what we get through the sacrifice of Jesus. The gospel is not an announcement that God has replaced his justice or lowered his standard of his holiness. Rather, that Jesus took on the full wrath of God and our sinfulness so that we might be made righteous. Our God is a fair God. And if we really got what we deserved and our unfaithfulness to him, it would be separation. But because of the work on the cross, he's taken down the barrier. God is perfect in all his ways. And, I, and I, again, I understand that that is a really hard concept to understand. I, I think about it a little bit like this. Is How many of you have ever been out of country? been out of the United States, right? Okay, you've been a few of us, all right? So the first thing that happens as you go to a travel to another country is you get your passport stamped. I mean, hopefully, right, as you go through in. Uh, but the second thing that you have to do is you have to see what the local currency is, right? You gotta see what uh, currency they have because that's gonna be, depend your livelihood as you go in and enter that new kingdom or new, uh, new country, right? You need that currency. And then, you know, I've been to a few different places. In Mexico, it was the peso, right? And in Peru, it was the sol. In Haiti, it was the gourd. In Costa Rica, it was cologne. And that was the currency declared both by the people and the nation as what they accept in that country, right? I could go there with my American dollars, but in a lot of places, they're not going to accept that currency. I have to uh, have their currency. You know, uh, I think, and we understand God's righteousness, 
in God's economy, the only currency that he accepts is righteousness. And the only way that you and I can enter into relationship with him and in the kingdom of God is by having righteousness. But there lies the problem. There lies the challenge for us because none of, as scripture says, none of us in and of ourselves are righteous. That we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way that we can have righteousness is if someone steps in on our behalf. The only way that righteousness could be given in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, right, is this is essential to understanding atonement, right, is that uh, the Old Covenant and God's agreement with his people, as we look back, was through a yearly sacrifice known as the Day of Atonement, in which the, the high priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies. That was the temple in the most sacred of places. And he would have to go make an animal sacrifice to make right the relationship of the people to God, right? It was to pay for the debts of their sin. And this sacrifice was to show the heaviness of sin and their immense need for God in their life, but also to understand that atonement was not free. For this reason, sacrifice required blood, a blood offering, because God wanted the people to know the severity of their sin and their choices. Scripture says that uh, there can be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood, and we saw that as a foreshadowing in the Old Covenant. But as, as we looked last week in the incarnation, as, as God in the fullness of time and his plan sent his son Jesus to enter into for us a new way to worship, a new covenant in which he would take away the old covenant and that we could exchange our brokenness for Christ's righteousness. You know, it's interesting that as, as we talked about going to different countries and, and using their currency, you know, uh, when you go to get that currency, a lot of times there's what's called an exchange rate, right? And sometimes when you go to exchange it, uh, the currency that you have can be worth more than the currency than you get, right? Or it can be vice versa. But like, for example, if you go to Mexico, right, the, the peso, like if you were to use the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar is valued more than the, uh, the peso. And so the exchange rate is in your favor, Right? Can I tell you when we consider the beautiful exchange that happened on the cross, the atoning sacrifice of Christ, can I tell you the exchange rate benefited us? Because we took our brokenness, our shame, our hurt that was worth nothing and we exchanged it for the righteousness and the holiness and the perfectness of God. That's what we got. That's the beautiful exchange. Christ's atoning sacrifice. He exchanged our brokenness, our sins, so that we might have his righteousness. It wasn't fair. It wasn't his to bear, but he bore it for us, and we do not have to bear it again if we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What do you have this morning that needs to be confessed? What do you have this morning that needs to be brought before God? You know, as Christ followers, we know that we have been made righteous by the sacrifice of Christ, that we are forgiven, but God still asks us to confess our sin, to deepen our relationship with him, to live the abundance of life. So this morning, what, what are you carrying? What are you, what are you carrying? What are you holding on to? What's creating a barrier in your relationship with God and the life that he has called you to leave? Let's surrender that. And if you're here this morning and you have never taken Jesus on his offer to exchange your brokenness for his righteousness, I pray that this morning would be that morning that you do that.
Third thing that you can write down this morning is only through Jesus' atoning sacrifice can we know forgiveness. Only through Jesus' atoning sacrifice can we know forgiveness. In our passage in John, it says, Jesus Christ the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John tells us that Jesus became our propitiation. I mean, he got what we deserved. We deserved separation. We deserved the penalty and the punishment of our sin. But he took it on on our behalf. He was our substitute. Isn't it ironic that we often substitute God's ways and his authority in our life for our own, and yet Christ was going to the cross and uh, substituting himself for our punishment and for our sin? He became our substitute because we are Because of him, we are made righteous. We are made holy and blameless. You know, the the distance between our sinfulness and God's holiness can only be closed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. So we begin to understand our brokenness, our sinfulness, and then we understand on the other side of it, God's holiness. We needed a bridge. We needed someone to close that gap between our sinfulness and God's righteousness and Jesus steps in and he became that bridge. And because he's that bridge, now we can go directly to our heavenly father. Because of him, we can know forgiveness. See, something really powerful happens in our life when we acknowledge our need for a savior. When we surrender fully to following him and put our trust in him. That sin that brokenness that once stained the canvas of our life and what's marked us for all that we had in our life. Once that we thought that we could never get rid of in our own power and our own strength and that sin that we felt was unforgivable. There's no way that God could forgive us and that as we went to God and we stood before him, We thought about our holiness and our sinfulness. We thought there's no way that he could cleanse, that he could heal, that he could see anything other than our sinfulness. Friends, can I tell you, when he went to the cross, when Jesus went to the cross and when we accept him and we put our trust and we put our faith in Christ Jesus, what the Lord sees in us is no longer our unrighteousness, but what the Lord sees in us is Christ's righteousness. Because of what he did on the cross, We are no longer marked by our shame and sin, but we are marked and we are forgiven and we are healed and we are restored because of what Christ did on the cross. I don't know what you're carrying this morning. I don't know what you're going through. But an exchange happened many years ago. Our brokenness, our sinfulness for Christ's righteousness. And if you're still carrying in your life that brokenness and sin in your life, I pray that this morning would be a morning of surrender and that you would accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as we have a time of invitation, I'm gonna be up front. If you wanna make that decision, please come. If not, after the service, we're gonna have some decision counselors who are gonna be right over here. Go, go see them. Come find us in the atrium. Make that decision to follow Christ. And maybe for some of us, we've accepted the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. But boy, 
through our unfaithfulness and in choosing our ways over God's ways, we've created a barrier in our relationship with God. This morning, would you lay down that barrier? Would you lay down that brokenness so that your relationship with God be restored? God tells us if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive him and separate them as far as the east and the west. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we give you all glory. We give you all honor. And God, we ask this morning, God, as we have an opportunity to come before you, Lord Jesus, we pray, Father, that, God, we would surrender this morning, that we would remember your sacrifice, your atonement. And so, Lord, God, as you speak, as you work, may we respond. We thank you for the exchange that you have given us. Father, your righteousness, your son Jesus' righteousness for our brokenness. So God, we submit to you, we confess to you this morning, and we seek you in everything. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand, let's worship this morning.
Grace and that mercy. God bless you, church. Have a great day.